The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. What is your reaction to the House passing this historic bill? I am so proud of what we have accomplished in this bill. I think sometimes people forget about how the federal government touches every part of people's lives. And that's what you see in this omnibus bill today. Democrats delivered again for working families. Liz Cheney this year for her work on the January 6th committee. Yeah, you know, she's truly, I think, the American hero of the year. She will be a politician on the scene for decades to come. Uh, she could be presidential timber in the future, but I think that her brand is as strong as any political brand out there. And so she became this sort of singular force on the committee. There's a big difference uh, in terms of what can happen to Donald Trump, he is now out of office. So one of the things that we did not have the ability to do is we could not indict a sitting president for any crimes. He is no longer a sitting president. And so the threat of what the department's going to do with this, I think is palpable. If they just indict him um, and not Trump, then, then we've lost as a society, as a, as a democracy. And the plot started before he even knew he was going to lose. The key was to create chaos. Immediately, Hitler and the Nazis started creating chaos. Yeah. This GOP is a, at its core, a fascist movement. This was not just a, an act of happenstance of people getting caught up in the moment. That this was a planned, strategic a, attack on our Capitol building and on our democracy directed by the President of the United States. They were directed and they were weaponized. And we knew that Donald Trump knew that those crowds of people had weapons. Now, the ball is in Merrick Garland and Jack Smith's hands to decide whether or not this is something America is going to shrug off and turn us into a banana republic, or it's something that they're going to take action on and ensure that democracy still holds. Democracy is, uh, again, dying, I guess. If we don't indict Donald Trump, then democracy is over. Democracy is finished. They keep using the term democracy. I mean, look it up. How does this, how does this, what does this have to do with indicting Donald Trump or vice versa? There they are, all the talking heads. There, I know the ratings are low for those stations, but still... Imagine those that get up and, uh, and feed on this kind of news coverage every day. Imagine having MSNBC on in the background all through the day and listening to this. It's a steady, steady stream of lies, as we'll talk about on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you Joining us, the freeze is beginning to lift. Warmer temperatures today, at least here in central Oklahoma. Quite a few reports, uh, I think mostly coming from the northeast. Um, those that died in uh, the blizzard, I think more than a dozen. Forgot the final count or didn't get the final count. In any event, we do appreciate you joining us for, for real news on this show, for the truth. The Trumpet Daily, it comes to you every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. You can get to it, of course, at our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. 
I think, uh, you know, what stood out as well in that montage, that congresswoman's statement at the very beginning where she was just <laughs> raving over the uh, omnibus spending bill, saying that that government touches every aspect, every part of our lives. I'm pretty sure that's uh, not what the founders intended, for the government to be involved, for the government to be touching every single aspect of our lives. This is what we have today, for the most part. Bloated government, oversized government, wild, reckless spending, trillions of dollars in debt, well over 30 trillion now. That's the national debt. But every aspect of our lives, they, they want total control. And they'll do anything and say anything to maintain that grip on power. This is from America Under Attack. Well, before I get to this quote, uh, I'm going to emphasize a couple of clips from Tucker Carlson's show Friday night. He, he talked about how that for politics this past year, we're coming up to the, uh, the end of the year montage. We'll have that for you later this week. And so commentators are looking back over the past year. Tucker, in his case, he says, uh, you know, what is it that sort of defined politics in the year 2022? And he said, uh, lying did. This has been the year of lying. And you see it all through politics and the media, everywhere. It's everywhere. In America Under Attack, my father says, lying is the modus operandi of these Obama-era officials. They lie as a way of life. They believe it is right to lie when it advances their agenda and is for an important purpose, you know, a, a purpose that they see as important. He says they have no fixed principles and very few will hold them to account. This is what the power of Satan and his Antiochus will do. It is frightening. You can find that quote, as I say, in America Under Attack if you don't have your own copy of this book, this powerful book. And my father's even working to try to add more to it at the moment. Call our operators and request America Under Attack, the 800 number. If you live in the United States, Canada, it's 1-866-930-3024. My father says, as Jesus Christ said of the devil, there's no truth in him, none. And the radical left lie like the devil. It's a pretty strong statement. They lie like the devil says here, that's the spirit behind these people who will say and do anything to accomplish their goals. Every time they are challenged on anything illegal they have done, they lie over and over and over again. And then further on, he says this about the truth. How refreshing is the truth? It says, despite all the power that radical leftists have over government and the media, Somehow, the truth keeps coming out. It's coming out not because of Republicans or even because of Donald Trump. What you need to realize is that God is causing the truth to emerge. He's giving all of us a good look at the truth. Can you recognize it? Do you recognize the truth? I mean, my father's had a lot to say about God exposing this lawlessness, this communist insurrection. Tucker said 2022 is the year of lying. In many ways, you could say 2022 is also the year that God has exposed so many of those lies. 
Twitter came out with another reveal just today. I guess we're up to nine or, or ten now. But there's another one, another batch just being released this morning <clears throat> having to do with how important it was for the government and the media to establish the COVID narrative. We'll get to that in just a bit. But regarding the, the, the latest batches, 9 and 10, Matt Taibbi basically says that the, I mean, what this reveals is not just the FBI over here or last week we talked about, uh, you know, the Pentagon and how they were trying to manipulate things to spread pop propaganda uh, abroad the DHS, but as Sundance breaks it down for us, these latest reveals, it's, it's the entire government. And keep in mind, just as that congresswoman said, they want to touch every aspect of your life. And that even factors into the propaganda that you feed on when you watch the news or when you go to a social media platform. The conservative treehouse, it says Taibbi shares the scale and scope of contacts into Twitter from a variety of government agencies, including the CIA. However, as the public-private partnership over the platform uh, moderation continued in time, access to controlling content expanded from federal agencies to even state and local officials. In essence, the control over platform content evolved into a whole-of-government approach. The government. See, they want to be involved in every aspect of your life. They want control. They want to control the narrative. And they have been. Sundance says this is a, a critical inflection point in the evolution of the Twitter file release because the ramifications now begin to surface publicly. Taibbi walks through Twitter being overwhelmed by the inbound instructions from various agencies. They're just being inundated by all these government agencies you got to do this. you got to take this down. You've got to shape the narrative this way. It says here, as Taibbi again notes, the government was, this is quoting him, the government was in constant contact, not just with Twitter, but with virtually every major tech firm. These included Facebook, Microsoft, Verizon, Reddit, even Pinterest, and many others. Industry players also held regular meetings without, uh, without government, it says. And then Sundance says, this is far beyond a First Amendment issue. Now we're entering the space where government is targeting not only the voice of specific people, but also their platform, their incomes, their livelihoods, and ability to operate. Such an important point that he makes there. Because free speech, the First Amendment, that's obviously dominated uh, so much of the criticism aimed at what this has revealed. The criticism of the government, but as Sundance brings out, it's not just that free speech is eroding. They're ruining people's lives. They're ruining their lives, their livelihoods. This is not <laughs> democracy, to go back to what the talking heads said there at the start. There they are, crying out any chance that they get that democracy is dying, even as they go about destroying it. Donald Trump, as I keep saying, he's just a private citizen in Florida. Yes, an ex-president. He's actually the legitimate president, but we'll leave that aside. There he is in Florida, and you, you've got all of these deranged lunatics saying that if, he's not if he doesn't go to prison, democracy is dead. That's the way that they think. They've just been consuming lies for so long. 
it's, it's now to the point of just absolute and total will worship, as the Bible defines it. A worship of the will. There's another story at the New York Post um, talking about, again, how many of these big tech companies were affected by this government-sponsored censorship. The Post says, the Twitter files have provided stunning confirmation of a deep state big tech conspiracy to censor ideas and individuals deemed harmful to their shared ends. This is the, the conspiracy right here. What did Elon Musk say over the weekend? Play the, the clip of Musk talking about um, the, the, the conspiracies about Twitter. Almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true, and if not uh, more true than people thought. All of the theories, so-called, they're the truth, says the new owner who, uh, it, who bought the crime scene and is trying to clean it up to some degree. It's even worse than what these batches reveal, as we said last week. But anyway, it says, but Twitter, this is the New York Post, Twitter was far from the only platform with the motive and means to purge dissenting voices from establishment orthodoxy, nor was it the only such platform with a, a trust and safety team helmed by, former, uh, helmed by former U.S. intelligence officials, which met regularly with their former security state employees, to combat so-called misinformation. It says public records show Google's trust and safety staff, like that of Twitter and Facebook, is filled with longtime intelligence community officials. Think about this. All of these intel officials, they, they leave the deep state, they go over to Silicon Valley. Listen to President Trump as he, uh, I think this was on OAN over the weekend, he's talking about what these, these files have blown the lid off of clip four. This thing with the FBI is very big because it's the government of the United States overturning an election. It's worse than a person doing it, much worse. It's the government putting its heavy hand on, on the vote and, and making a difference of millions and millions of votes. This has caught on right. more than anything, including ballot stuffing. This has mm -hmm caught on more than any of the more traditional ways that that proved i think more than anything else was that the election was rigged and stolen it was a corrupt election you have all of these rights that were violated and who would have thought that the government was doing it right you know usually it's a third party who would think it was the fbi but people that weren't into it that didn't see the ballot stuffing that didn't see all of the things that went on and there were many things other than this now they're calling and they're saying you know you were right this was a rigged election this hit home more than other things. There was tremendous corruption in the election. And this hit home more. And, and for them to say also, Chanel, that, gee, I really didn't think I won. I totally thought from day one, I think you could be bear witness to that. I totally thought from day one, I knew it was rigged. I knew this election was stolen. And now you see it. From day one, I mean, who could forget that uh, it was a crazy night. Uh, Sam and I were at Edstone at the time, so we were trying to keep an eye on it in the middle of the night. But it was even the middle of the night uh, here in the States when Trump came out and said this, this election, you know, when they stopped all of the counting, they sent everybody home. They said it's going to take several days. And Trump came out, to his credit, that night and said this is rigged. This is a, and now more and more people are seeing it.
Okay, leave aside the ballot mules. Leave aside the, ma- the machine glitches. Just focus in on the deep state alone here. And this relationship that they had with big tech, with big media, rigged through and through. And you have all these, hot, these, these hosts on Fox News now. They're at depositions over some lawsuit saying that they, uh, they said, you know, Sean Hannity, I, he's got to stop talking about the election steal. So you had Donald Trump, who was there from the beginning, telling the truth. And some of the most popular conservative commentators in the country just totally surrendering to the radical left. Look at, look at the radical left. Look at what they're doing in Arizona at the moment. This judge that tosses out the lawsuit went for two days. You know, we, we gave you some clips. I had more, actually. I'll get to them in, in a second here. We were happy to play them for you. No one else would. But, but here the judge, he, he, he basically throws out eight of the ten complaints that Carrie Lake had. He gives her two days, two days to argue her case, and then he makes the ruling just in eight pages. He, sends, he submits the ruling just a day after the trial ends, or, or maybe the next day. I think it was on Saturday. Rigged. In other words, rigged again. This is from Politico. It says, it's clear from interviews with nine of the firm's top 15 partners that Elias, this is speaking of Mark Elias, the radical leftist uh, attorney, Elias's attorneys see their mission as making a last stand for democracy. Here again, they have got to squash election deniers or else democracy won't survive. A task that, in their view, requires giving election denialism and Republicans no quarter in court. We've just got to crush this dissent. Elias was, he was sending out tweets bragging about the outcome of this case even before it it happened. He says, I don't want to leave the Republican Party unattended, Elias tells me. I want to babysit them in every case they file. That's meant shuttling a battalion of lawyers to key swing states in the midterms, from Nevada to Pennsylvania, where they are pre-positioned to reach a courtroom within hours if any election deniers decide to contest the results of their races. They've got a team of attorneys all over the, uh, all over the place. Obama's lawyers are everywhere. They're in the shadows. They're lurking, lurking in the shadows, looking to squash these types of cases before they even get started. Before they're even given any life, they've got to be there to crush the dissent. And who knows how much pressure this judge came under, or if he knew it was a sham from the very beginning. But he just kind of gave them, okay, I'll I'll let you argue two of the ten, but just for two days. So you can say, okay, we we had a fair hearing. Was it really fair? This is from Town Hall says the trial court judge in Carrie Lake's election lawsuit predictably threw out her case on Saturday, putting on a sham trial that on the surface looked fair to the general public and doesn't know the general public that doesn't know any better, but to legal minds was a travesty of justice. It says further on, legal experts believe his decision, the judges, was ghostwritten they suspect top, top left-wing attorneys like Mark Elias emailed him what to say. And they go on and talk about how it was just eight pages and so on. You know, open, open shut case, quick, quickly done, dust off, move on. 
says the standard should have been whether there were whether there was voter uh, uh, suppression. It says instead, Thompson said Lake had to show an extremely vague high bar in order to prevail, that an election official intentionally caused the printer changes in order to change the results of the election, and that it did affect the outcome. He explained away many of the disturbing election anomalies as accidents or mere coincidences. He ignored the vast majority of them in a show of arrogance. His opinion was less then eight pages long. This is in response to that judge's ruling on Saturday night. I want to take you back to a clip I was going to play on Friday. This is from Scott Jarrett. He's the Maricopa County Election Day uh, director, and he actually testified on both days last week, Wednesday and then Thursday as well. Listen to this, clip 10. Did you hear of any reports of that occurring in the 2022 general election? I did not. If that occurred, would that be a failure of Maricopa County's election process? I'm not aware of it occurring, and I'd be surprised if there was a, a ballot on the band printer that had a 19-inch ballot on it. Okay. I understand that, sir. But and the reason why is we did not design a 2022 general election on a 19-inch ballot. That ballot does not exist. The only ballot that exists is a 20-inch ballot. If a 19-inch ballot image was put on a 20-inch paper in the 2022 general election, would that be a failure of your election process? It would. If something like that happened, which I don't know how it would, yes, it would have been a mistake. Um, could that have also been a deliberate act? Again, you're ask, asking me to speculate about things that I have no knowledge of occurring. So I don't know if it could have been a deliberate act or not. I don't believe that that occurred. Is there any documentation of any inquiry about this fit to print issue? I don't know if there's any documentation. So you said you performed a root cause analysis to determine the how these problems arose on election day? We're in in the process of performing a root cause analysis. Ah. And as part of that root cause analysis, you determined that there was this fit to print issue in three locations, correct? That's correct. And again, you did not mention this in your testimony yesterday, did you? I did not. Did you publish anywhere that there was this shrink-to-fit issue after the election? We've not. So you didn't tell the public, hey, we've discovered. I mean, you're performing a root cause analysis, and you find out that there was this shrink-to-fit issue that gave rise to uh, problems in the tabulators, and you did not inform the public about this. We're still in the process of our root cause analysis. Okay. 2022, the year of lying. The, that's side-by-side -side testimony separated by 24 hours. That's it. The day before, he says, couldn't have happened. The 19-inch ballot on a 20-inch piece of paper that would have made them malfunction or not get tabulated couldn't have happened. Well, what, what if it did? Could it have been uh, done on purpose? Well, I'm going to, again, I'm going to come back and say it could not have happened, but yeah, it would have represented a failure on our part, or I guess he used the word mistake.
the, the attorney finally got him to admit that had it happened, it, it would have been a mistake. This is Maricopa County, you know, these people running the election. And then the next day, after you've got all this evidence of these ballots, that someone had gone in and purposely reduced in size so that there would be malfunctions. It would have been nice. You know, any sane judge would have said, you know, we need to take some time here and figure this out. We need to take some time to figure out what happened. What if this would have happened in a deep, dark blue city of Atlanta where minorities were disenfranchised? Do you think any judge in America would just throw that out and say, forget about it? Forget about it. Should have figured out another way to vote. Should have gone to a, a precinct where they had the 20-inch ballots. This is unbelievable. The man perjures himself. And we're, I guess I guess we're just supposed to move on. Yeah, we're doing a root cause analysis. Uh, have you given any kind of a... A summary report like uh, like the Jan 6 committee did. I mean, they put together a thousand pages and they want to make it as public as possible and, and leave out the actual victims, by the way. Ashley, just the token reference to Ashley Babbitt. But Trump, 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 Trump. That's all you have in a thousand pages. Here, we can't even get any transparency. It's just one county. That's rigged two elections now, and they've gotten away with it. It says here from Town Hall, it was clear early on Thompson was going to rule against Lake, throwing out eight of her ten claims, which included observers' testimony, that 90% of mismatched signatures were accepted. In doing so, he trivialized important good-faith arguments about constitutional and civil rights the two whittled-down claims he kept allowed him to hold a trial to appear fair, then declare everything okay, and the county in the right. So we get through, all, we get through this expedited process of a two-day trial, and the, jub, the, the judge rubber stamps it, and everything's fair, everything's above board, everything was perfect. Was it perfect? Thompson said in his opinion that it was unprecedented in history to set aside an election like that, but he was mincing words. It, it happens, it's happened many times. There, there have been cases in history where judges have said, no, we're going to do a redo. And this article gives examples to that effect. It says, compounding the problem, hardly any attorneys dare speak up about this since they risk being targeted and disbarred. Listen to this. So they're not writing about it or going to talk shows, and the best of the bunch have already been targeted, so they've either already been disbarred or have to lie low. Nor are they taking on representation, leaving candidates like Lake to rely upon non-election attorneys. It says when the, co when the uh, Cochise County supervisors gutsily called for a hand count, this happened, remember, weeks ago, this small county in Arizona that said, hey, we've got to hand count these. It says here, they could find no attorney who dared represent them. See, you've got Mark Elias, you've got all of Obama's attorneys, you know, the ones that are ruthless and want to destroy you if you dare question the results of an election. And then on the flip side, you can hardly find an attorney to represent you. Look at what they did to Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis just two years ago. They don't even want them to speak. 
They, they can't even have a voice. And now we get these Twitter files showing you the spirit behind this. It's everywhere. 2022, the year of lying. And the year, in many ways, of those lies being exposed. This article concludes, a friend described the situation. We don't have a justice system, and voting is becoming pointless. Only Democrat votes matter in our country now. I just saw a headline today saying that Democrats, with a resurgence of power, their next focus is going to be on voters' rights. Voters' rights? <laughs> They're rigging elections every single cycle. But they want to do more cheating. They want to make sure that they can get it in as law. You got to get that electoral count act in to the omnibus spending. Any, any and every way that they can cheat more, harvest more, they're working on it. <laughs> You've got Mark Elias and his team. They're everywhere, aren't they? It says, voter fraud experts believe the Democrats started targeting states years ago, like Washington and California. Then they moved on to Colorado, Arizona, or rather Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania are the latest targets. They intend to move on to states like Florida next if they're not stopped. Voter disenfranchisement has become the most important issue facing Republicans today, and if not stopped, we will become a one-party nation. I mean, really, we're already there in many respects. God's going to have to intervene and save America by the hand of Jeroboam. Because what we're, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing on a daily basis, a weekly basis, is a, a one-party nation. They're not a majority party in the sense that they enjoy majority support, but they have total control. They have total control. You know, and unless you fight against it, it becomes entrenched, this way of life. These many lies are to be treated as t the truth. You know, it was interesting with Carrie Lake's, I believe the, the uh, I believe the soundbite, I should have brought it with me. I think it was from Friday. So her, her lawsuit goes Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, the day in between, the judge makes his ruling on Saturday. But you had Rona McDaniel, she's on some interview, basically saying during the interview that Carrie Lake was a bad candidate. So here, the, the contesting of the election, it's still going on. The decision hadn't even been made yet. And, and all of the, the lies that were being exposed. And you have to wonder, where were the Republicans? Where, where was the Republican Party? How about in an interview if Rona McDaniel says, well, I'm not going to comment on the Carrie Lake case just yet because the judge hasn't ruled, but, you know, we're still hopeful that she can, she can pull this out, even if it's through the courts. None of that. None of that. It's the same message that they all had as soon as the election was over in early November. Yeah, no red wave. Carrie Lake was bad. She's an election denier. She had the endorsement of Trump. They can't even, they, they will not lend their support for any candidate who is in any way connected to Donald Trump. They just won't do it. These Republicans, forget about the Democrats, the Republicans, they won't fight against it, as you hear quite often on this 
show. Listen to this. This is Katie Hobbs's attorney. This was from his closing argument. And listen to the way he addresses, you know, all of the problems with the machines malfunctioning, the tabulation machines not working. Listen to what this man says, clip 11. Their star witness, Perry, gives freebies to the Prince of Stop the Steal. That's the pillow guy. That's bias. And we trust this court will be able to recognize true bias, perceived bias, and weigh and rule accordingly. But those errors, or those mishaps by machines, if you will, the effect that had on Election Day voters was compounded, Your Honor, not by intentional misconduct by any employee or anybody under the control of Maricopa County, but by months and months and months of communication from the current leadership of the Republican Party of Arizona and the communications specialists of the Carrie Lake for Governor campaign that said, do not vote early. Even if you're on the pebble and you've got an early ballot, don't mail it. Don't drop it off the drop box. 2,000 mules. Bring your car, maybe. Go on election day and vote on person. And Lord forbid, don't ever put your ballot in the drop box, in the ballot box, or in drawer number three. Because there's something very scary about drawer number three, which is nothing but a ballot box. But people were terrorized by that on election day. That's not on Maricopa County. That's on the carry late for governor campaign. So we did not see in two days of testimony and all those affidavits that came in, evidence of a botched election. We saw evidence of a botched campaign, political malpractice. Who goes out and tells their voters, don't vote on, vote on day one of voting, early voting, day two, day three, all the way up to day 26 of early voting, wait to the last second. That's political malpractice. You reap what you sow. They botched the election in Maricopa County, and then they blame the voters. Isn't that nice? What a sweet message. Look, nothing like, hey, we wanted to do everything possible to, to ensure that everyone could vote, including on Election Day. I mean, that used to be like two seconds ago. That used to be the way we always did it. But now you've got the early voting, and here's this arrogant attorney saying, look, if the machines malfunction, you should have voted earlier, idiot. This is unbelievable. Any other judge in his right mind would have been offended by that little soliloquy and, and probably reprimanded him right there on the spot. Listen, it's not too much to ask for you, your county, to run the machines the right way on election day. That is, after all, when most people vote, right? Well, not if this guy would have his way. He'd prefer it to start a month ahead of time and just ballots mailed all over the place like two years ago. But, but then in the end, to insult people that would say, I'd rather not drop it off in a box. I want to deliver it in person. What's wrong with that? There, there's the least possible problems to come from that, except that now we know that Maricopa County can cause all kinds of problems on the day of. It's really unbelievable. And again, you wonder what kind of intense pressure the judge is coming under. Well, perhaps we'll find out a little bit more about him, about his background. Carrie Lake, of course, says she's going to appeal this, uh, this decision. 
but look at how things break down so quickly. When you don't have, like it says in Exodus 18, when you don't have men of truth leading the way, when God was giving Moses advice on how to set up a government that would actually help the people, now this was not a democracy, this was God's government, but these men who were appointed into top positions, they had to be men of truth. They had to be men of honesty, not men of lies. This latest Twitter reveal is from David Zweig. It says, the Twitter files, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. How Twitter rigged the COVID debate. How about that? It says, by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy, by discrediting doctors and other experts who disagreed, by suppressing ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's own data. Here again in his segment on lying from Friday night, Tucker Carlson uh, said this with respect to the COVID debate, clip seven. So it turns out that none of your vax propaganda was true, to put it mildly. It was all a lie. The question is, can we, can we get our lives back now? How about our economy, our jobs? When's the part when you break down in racking sobs of contrition and beg forgiveness for misleading the entire country in matters of life and death and hurting people? We look forward to that part, though obviously we're not holding our breath. For now, it is satisfying enough to see a lie identified for what it always was. A lie identified. The year that the lying was exposed on a, on a massive scale, thanks to not just Donald Trump, but to Twitter and a number of other things that we're seeing. Of course, my father talks about that at length in America Under Attack. How that, I think about how much more, I mean, a lot was exposed between 2017 and 2020. But think about how much more of this lawlessness and, and filth and evil, this vile, vile, corrupt state. Think about how much has been exposed in the last two years. We're now seeing it. This is Joe Biden, by the way. Speaking of the vaccine lie, this was Joe Biden a year ago, clip two. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated for themselves, their families, and the hospital, they'll soon overwhelm. See, it's, it's perfectly acceptable for them to scaremonger this way. If you, don't get, if you don't get the shot, if you don't get the jab, this is going to be a winter of, of death. And you fast forward 12 months, you see all these people suddenly dying. You've got the ABC producer, 37 years of age, in perfect health. The 45-year-old UFC fighter dropped dead over the weekend. Maybe, maybe there's other causes, but uh, what has changed so significantly in the last year and a half or so with respect to drugs and what we're putting into our bodies? Speaking of those that are out there pushing drugs, this is a fascinating exchange between uh, one vaccine pusher. Peter Hotez is his name. He's on with Joe Rogan, clip one. Do you take care of your immune system in other ways? Do you take probiotics? Are you cautious about your diet? Um, I'm not as cautious about my diet as I 
should be. I'm a junk foodaholic, uh, actually. Well, that seems like a terrible thing for your health. It, it, it is a terrible thing for my health and something my wife is uh, working on. But that seems basis. ridiculous for someone who works with health. Yeah, yeah. What's Somet- going on with some- you, man? Sometimes, man, I just don't Sometimes. get it right. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to tell you, but there's a, a large body of data that connects poor diet to a host of diseases. Mm-hmm. That seems like a t- crazy decision for a guy in your line of work. There you go. Sometimes the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the, it's not all brain. It's, uh, it, it's something else. But I mean, if you ate healthy food, I mean, you, the thing is, your body starts craving healthy food. You start feeling. Yeah. No. No question. Results. No question about it. But do you take vitamins? I don't take vitamins. Really? Yeah. I don't wow. Take, I don't think they do. I don't think they're needed because most in the, Amer- in the American what? in the American hold up, hold up, hold up. You don't think they're needed while you're eating junk food? Yeah, instead but of you just still need, but you still need your vaccines. I'm sure you do, but mm-hmm. vaccines aren't going to prevent cancer. No, that's true. Right. That's and true. You, there's a lot of diseases. Or that, diabetes or cardiovascular sure. disease. Or and a lot things. of these diseases yeah. are connected directly to diet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Man. And other. There, there's your junk food-aholic self-proclaimed, saying you still need your vaccines. This is probably the leading expert in pediatric medicine in the United States. He's on with the talking heads all the time, telling you, get your children jabbed. Put that poison in your child's body. And then Rogan just asked him a simple question about just taking care of himself. I'm a junk foodaholic. These are the people. These are the people establishing policy for medicine and other things for the whole nation. It's the spirit behind these people that are getting people fired. They're losing their jobs. They can't travel abroad or come back into the country. Because of all of this science, falsely so-called, as the Apostle Paul said, we went through, I mean, we exposed that sort of thing uh, almost three years ago. When the, the pandemic first started, you think about that guy, the CrossFit guy, who was run out of town, had to sell his business, just because he was out there saying things like Joe Rogan just said there. Uh, well, what about all these other diseases? What about what you put in your body? What about the exercise you get or don't get? Just basics. <laughs> Basic laws of health. It's not even just that that man's not taking care of himself the way that he should. We all need to do better with that. But it's the position that he's in. He's the one saying children need the jab. Children. They need to get jabbed. They need to get jabbed again. They, they need a booster. It needs to be every year. Alex Berenson, he's exposed a lot of the lies in this COVID narrative. He said, people who have received the mRNA COVID vaccines are at least twice as likely to be infected with the coronavirus as unvaccinated people, according to two new papers from researchers in Indiana and Ohio. So if you've gotten the jab, you're more likely to be infected. Did you hear this? You're more likely to be infected. What did Joe Biden say last year? You, if you don't get the vaccine, this is going to be a winter of death for you. So many lies. This is from the New York Times. You want to dismiss Alex Berenson? Fine. Here's the New York Times. Across the U.S., where about 94 percent 
of people 65 and older had their initial COVID vaccines, only 36% have received the updated shot, known as the bivalent booster, according to, I think I might have given you this quote previously, but basically they're saying people are, they're, they're not going in for the booster. Why? Why? Why would that be? I wonder. Listen to this exchange. This is the White House COVID coordinator together with one of the talking heads. Clip eight. Yeah. Uh, so the f- number one message is it's really important to protect our elderly, our vulnerable. And the single best way to do that, Craig, is to make sure that they are vaccinated, that everyone's vaccinated, particularly older Americans are vaccinated against both COVID and flu. We have two terrific vaccines up this year, both of them updated, both of them very effective against the circulating virus that's out there. To, to that point, though, and I, I want to make sure I get this right, about 14.6 percent of the population now uh, has gotten that that COVID booster that the the White House has been recommending. Why haven't more folks, you think, gone out and got the booster shot? And why haven't more folks even now gone out and and, and been vaccinated? I think it's because they might know someone who's died suddenly. That's happening. Excess mortality. It's there. It's in the statistics. I mentioned the two examples from over the weekend. This was from the BBC uh, a week or so ago. Here's a headline you never, never would have saw when the vaccine first rolled out. Jack Last died as a result of AstraZeneca vaccine, says the coroner. That's at the BBC. Why are people not getting their boosters? I wonder. BBC says Jack Last, 27 years old, from Stowe Market, was vaccinated on March 30th, 2021, and a week later was admitted to hospital after experiencing headaches and sickness. A scan on 10 April revealed a cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, and he died 10 days later. 10 days later, he's dead. Well, he got, he got the jab, though. At least he didn't die from COVID. This is insanity. And all of it's propped up on lies. The Twitter reveal today shows it. Yeah, if it doesn't fit with the government narrative, get it out. Just get it out. This is from News.com in Australia. Former federal MP Dr. Karen Phelps has revealed she and her wife both suffered. I, I wondered, by the way, after I read this, that I wonder if this would have even gotten any traction if it was she and her husband, but the fact that they're lesbians, the fact that they're complaining about vaccine side effects, you have to wonder if the talking heads were sort of wrestling with this one. Well, I mean, we don't want to say anything bad about the vaccines, but but, I mean, they're coming from the LGBTQ community. So here comes this woman telling her story, saying this is what I experienced, this is what my partner experienced. Listen to this from one of the news stations down under, clip 12. Well, a former top doctor is calling for more research into COVID jabs after experiencing a vaccine injury. Your former member for Wentworth, Dr Karen Phelps, suffered irregular blood pressure and breathlessness following her second jab. And within minutes of having the vaccine, she had a quite severe reaction with uh, uh, numbness of the hands and feet, tingling all over her body, uh, her head feeling like it was going to explode, uh, pain, and uh, and then over the weeks and months following that, uh, the condition continued and uh, she'd seen a number of specialists and and the conclusion was that she had had uh, an an injury related to the vaccine. Uh, I went back and had 
the second vaccine, um, for thinking that, you know, it's a, a rare reaction. And again, on the balance of risks and benefits, and, and in my case, I developed a reaction where my blood pressure, my pulse rate and my temperature was, uh, was going up and down all over the place and uh, with some quite distressing symptoms and, and persisting for, for quite some time and over a period of many months. And, uh, and I was diagnosed with a vaccine-related dysautonomia. So I've also spoken to a number of colleagues who've had vaccine uh, adverse events themselves, uh, patients who've had vaccine adverse events. That's one of uh, Australia's top doctors, as you heard at the start of the segment. This is from Just the, Just the News. It says, Food and Drug Administration, this is the FDA, researchers have found that the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine is linked to higher instances of adverse effects in people ages 65 and older, but still says the benefits of getting shot outweigh the potential risks. So they're beginning to come around to, you know, to protect themselves. we got to get a little bit of the truth out there. But still, we want you on these drugs. We want you to fill your body with these drugs. Listen to this doctor, Dr. Asim Molhotra. This is uh, clip 15. Somebody asked me the question the other day, if we didn't have the vaccine at all, would we be in a better or worse position than we are now? Honest answer is we don't know, but I think we'd be better off if we didn't even have the vaccine at all. We would have had probably less harm to the population. AstraZeneca, I mean, that was in effect suspended in the UK. Even though it wasn't made public, they kind of slowly phased it out. But when you look at the yellow card reporting, and this is in a country of a population of 60 million, we had 1 million yellow card reports from AstraZeneca, which is just extraordinary. And it was publicized in news reports of a rare clotting effect or a rare issue. We know now it wasn't rare at all. So um, I think these vaccines have had a hugely negative impact on society, on health, and of course, the whole, everything that's gone with it. He's uh, sitting there in that interview with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, who commented on how people know someone, most likely they have a relative or a friend of someone who had someone in the family die suddenly. And this is why there's so few people going off for the boosters. Listen to Peter McCullough, clip 17. In terms of people keep taking boosters, we're down to about 10% of Americans. So how do 90% of Americans, how did they know to stop taking vaccines? Yeah. I, I don't think it's by watching CNN. Yet. No. This is, this is where it's coming from. Yeah. It's coming from uh, the fact that 7 to 8% of people end up in the, the ER or in urgent care and the family members talk to each other. Yes. There's a Zogby survey, a representative survey, that asked people about the vaccines. Two-thirds of Americans in the Zogby survey said they took a vaccine. And they asked them, well, what happened? 15% of people have some new medical problem that they are now seeking care after taking the vaccine. Well, those 15% talk to other people. There's a Michigan State survey. 22% of Americans know somebody who's either died or been seriously injured after COVID-19 vaccination. That 22% talks to other people. So it's rare now yes. that you'd mm -hmm. ever encounter anybody yeah. who says that they haven't heard something. The word is getting out, 2022. The year so many of these lies have been exposed, just like we discuss in America Under Attack. God wanted this. God's trying to show us the depths of Satan here. I mentioned that segment again. Tucker had it on Friday night. Listen to what he had to say, clip five. 
So what defined the politics of 2022? Well, lying did. This was the year of lying. The people in charge tell an awful lot of lies. That's what we learned. At this point, no living American still believes them and none should. But they keep doing it anyway. Clearly, they think we have brain damage. It's frustrating to watch. But today, we've decided to be amused by it. That seemed like the more positive option, maybe the most positive available under the circumstances. So here, ladies and gentlemen, are our favorite lies of 2022. We had an awful lot to choose from in making tonight's list, from Paul Pelosi's late-night crime scene to the endless propaganda about the Ukraine war to the million non-existent Americans who actually didn't get new jobs in the third quarter of the year. Lots of content to choose from when you're giving this kind of a year-end review because people in charge tell an awful lot of lies. There's a steady diet coming out from the talking heads every single day. And of course, there's a spirit behind it all. Listen to one final quote here from Tucker, clip six. This is a man who will say literally anything. If the Chinese military unleashed a deadly manufactured flu virus on the world, Joe Biden would blame you for it. And actually he did. People are dying of COVID, Joe Biden told us, because you have questions about an experimental mRNA shot that doesn't really work and whose long-term effects we can't know. You're the criminal here, not the Chinese government, because you're, quote, unvaccinated. You must be punished. That was the message from the White House, picked up and eagerly disseminated by Biden's equally soulless stooges in the media. Pretty good segment overall. And uh, again, it echoes uh, much of what we've had to say, not just since this came out, earlier this year, but since the first version of this, going back to 2013, the spirit of lies, the spirit of Antiochus, if you don't have your own copy of America Under Attack, make sure you call our operators today and request one. They're, they're standing by awaiting your call, 1-866-930-3024. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can send comments to td at thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's program, and we'll see you tomorrow.